0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. If you remember, two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we started, uh, we thought it good to make sure that we were all on the same page to present a good, workable definition for toxic. And so, if you will recall, the definition that we presented was that toxic is anything containing poisonous material that is capable of causing sickness or even death. Let me say that again. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material that is capable of causing sickness or even death. Now, it's with that definition, that thought in mind, that as we've been working through this series of messages in this toxic series, that we've been working to identify surrounding toxic forces that work together to construct... And to bring into being um, septic, destructive, toxic ways of thinking and behavior that, in all honesty, all of us struggle with or are challenged with from time to time. Am I right? There, there, there's a struggle that goes on inside of us. Um, not only, and I said this in week one, not only do we want to identify these, but we want to learn how to recognize and remove these toxic forces and replace them with biblical truth, truth from God's word that leads to freedom from the toxic intent of the toxic Forces. In our first week, we talked about toxic thinking. Last week, as Pastor Farrell was here, he talked about toxic religion. And today, we're going to focus specifically on toxic influences. So as I step into this, I want to begin to lay a foundation uh, much in the same way that we did in the first week. Um, And that's by presenting uh, yet again, a a, a simple workable definition uh, that would ensure that we're all uh, learning from the same page. So a simple workable definition of the word influence. And you'll see there's a a definition there in your notes. If you look, influence is the power to affect the character The development or the behavior of a person or situation. Influence is the power to affect the character, the development, or the behavior of a person or situation. Let me give you some examples. Parents. Parents have the ability to influence their children. We're supposed to, right? Uh, A parent has the ability to influence the character, the development, and the behavior of their children. Um, an employer. An employer has the ability to influence the character, the development, or the behavior of an employee. A teacher has the ability to influence the character, the development, or the behavior of their student. And that list could go on and on and on. It's also important as we understand this whole concept of influence that there are actually two kinds of influence. First, there's a kind of influence that um, uh, Uh, adds to that values and helps to build up character. And that's life-giving influence. And there's a kind of influence that um, works to um, contaminate or to um, bring destruction to a person's character. And that's life-altering character. Um, The question that I want all of us to ask today, I want us to be mindful of, is that we would begin to kind of survey and say, what am I being influenced by? What am I being influenced by? What are the surrounding forces around me that are influencing me on a daily basis. Before I go any further, I want to just draw a story from history that I think will help to broaden our insight or understanding on this whole concept of toxic influences. And the story comes from London, 1854. In 1854, in London, in the district of Soho, more specifically in a small borough known as the Broad Street Borough, um, there was a cholera outbreak. And during this cholera outbreak, 616 people died in the Broad Street area. Um, It was thought that cholera was spread through contaminated airborne particles. Others thought that cholera was spread as germs were passed, contaminated germs, from one body to another. There was a doctor by the name of Dr. Uh, John Snow who believed differently. And Dr. Snow uh, began to do some research, and in his research, he discovered that in the Broad Street area, cholera was not spread through contaminated airborne particles. It wasn't spread from germs passing from one body to another, but instead, the source of the contamination was from contaminated water. And more specifically, the source uh, where the water was coming from was a water pump on Broad Street when the water pump on Broad Street was removed the death by way of cholera stopped and here's the point I want to make when the source of the infection when the source of the contamination was identified and removed the deadly consequences of the contamination was forced to stop you you, you you know where I'm going with this, right? When the source of the contamination was removed, the death of cholera stopped. So how does that translate translate to you and I? If you and I want to experience freedom from toxic influences, then we have to be mindful. We have to be able to recognize the source of the toxic influence or the sources. Toxic influences are always at work around us and their goal by design of the prince of the power of the air, our enemy is that they would infect us, that they would contaminate us, that they would skew the way we think they're always at work. Uh, in order for us to uh, experience this freedom, you and I have to be proactive. There's a passage of scripture in your notes, Proverbs 25, verse 26. I'd like for us to read it together. You ready? Let's go. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. I want to read that verse to you in the New Living Translation. It says, if the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. And here's what that verse tells us. You and I are not without choice as to what we will allow to influence our character and our behavior. You and I are not without choice as what to what we will allow to contaminate or to infect our character or our behavior. Um, In order for us to make the right choices, we have to be aware of the sources of the infection that are competing constantly for our attention. And so it's with that uh, in mind this morning that I want to spend the remainder of the time identifying some sources of toxic influences. There are many There are so many that we could talk about, uh, but this morning I want to specifically identify three of those toxic influences. And I want to go ahead and tell you what they are so you'll have a roadmap of where we're going. However, I'm going to go back and unpack it so you don't have to worry about filling in the blank yet because I will go back and unpack it and you'll have an opportunity to do that. But let me tell you what they are. I want to deal first with what I'm classifying as inside influences. And then I want to deal with what I've classified simply as outside influences. And finally, I want to talk about what I've classified as fireside influences. So inside, outside, and fireside influences. And again, I'm going to go through and unpack all of these. So let's begin with inside influences. In considering inside influences, I want you to think, I want us to think in terms of toxic company. Toxic company. And as you're considering toxic company, I want you to begin to consider the inner circle of relationships that surround you on a daily basis. Some of those you've chosen. They're your friends. Others, you haven't chosen. They're in that inner circle by default. They're your boss. They're your colleagues. Let's be honest. Many of them might be your family because we didn't choose our family, right? We were placed in our family. But they're our inner circle of relationships. Now, as you think about that inner circle of relationships, I would like to propose that it's very possible... That in that inner circle of relationships, there are those who are infected or even contaminated by what we talked about in week one, toxic thinking. That there would be some people possibly in your inner circle of relationships who are infected or contaminated by pessimism. And that there may be people in your inner circle of relationships who are infected by worry, maybe even contaminated by worry. And that there would be people in your inner circle of relationships who might be infected or contaminated by bitterness. And that there might be people in your inner circle of relationships who are infected by critical thinking. And as you think through those, you may be able to identify people who are suffering from those things, who are infected from those things in your inner circle of relationships. Now, um, because... Those people in that inner circle may be infected. If they are infected, then eventually what's on the inside begins to work its way to the outside. And as it works its way to the outside, uh, it has a way of rubbing off or being spewed off on the people around us. And here's the problem with that. Contamination breeds contamination. Contamination Breeds contamination. There's an an incredible example of this in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm going to actually summarize the story for you. Um, I can do that pretty quickly. In Mark chapter 6, we find the story that has four characters. King Herod. King Herod's wife, Herodias. Herodias' daughter, whom we don't have a name for. And John the Baptist. What we know about John the Baptist is that John the Baptist was appointed by God to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ. We also know that John the Baptist, appointed by God, was a prophet. And he was a very outspoken prophet. And John was not afraid to call people out on their sins. I love it when you're reading through the Gospels and you hear John say, You brood of vipers! Can you just hear him? John was able to see it and call it for what it was. And that's exactly what he did to King Herod. You see, King Herod's marriage was an adulterous marriage. His wife Herodias had been the wife of his brother Philip. And so John the Baptist, in John the Baptist style, called him out on it. And when he called out this adulterous marriage, it stirred up uh, toxic influence in the palace. And it came from Herodias. In chapter 19, verse 6, it says that um, she nursed a grudge against John the Baptist and she wanted to kill him. Could she be classified as being contaminated? Yeah, she was highly infected. And she was contagious. One evening, uh, the, the king, King Herod, decided to throw a banquet for all of his friends. For all of the officials. Um, At that banquet, he invited Herodias' daughter. Again, we don't know her name, but he invited Herodias' daughter to dance. After she danced, he was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. This is the most spectacular dance I've ever seen. He calls her to him and he says, I'm so pleased that you can ask for anything that you want up to half of the kingdom. And suddenly, in my imagination, Herodias said hmm, this is the opportune situation. And so she calls her daughter over to the side. And she begins to spew out her contamination, this grudge that she's been nursing, her death wish on John the Baptist. She said, here's what I want you to ask the king for. I want you to ask him to give you the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And we know that she contaminated her daughter because her daughter was unable to say no. So the daughter goes to the king. He says, this is what I want. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And we know that the king became contaminated. He was infected because he was unable to say no. And so several hours later, guess what arrives? A platter. And when they remove the lid, guess whose head's on it? John the Baptist. Contamination breeds contamination. Contamination contamination. Toxic company has the ability to breed toxic company. So what's our takeaway? Here's our takeaway. The company that you and I keep has the power to add value to or to uh, contaminate our character and our behavior. The company that we keep has the power to add value to our character and our behavior or to contaminate, to infect our character and behavior. And because this is true, you and I must be willing to assess that inner circle of relationships that we have, that we keep. And we must do whatever it takes to guard our hearts and our minds so that we don't become contaminated. Now... I have to give a—I don't know if it's a disclaimer or a clarification. Um, it is possible that sometimes this toxicity uh, functions in a marriage. Am I right? Yeah. You don't be afraid to say that. We won't, we've all been there. Um, and I realize that it's possible that maybe uh, there's a, a husband or a wife here, and the spouse isn't there, and that I can imagine them going home after church and announcing to their spouse, "Ha ha." I have the, what I've been waiting on. The pastor told me today that you are toxic and I need to do whatever I must do to end this relationship. I'm out or you're out, but this is not going to continue. And that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. You see, typically what happens is when we think about doing whatever we must do to guard our hearts and minds, that we think that means we step out of, we end a relationship. And sometimes the best thing we can do is step into the relationship. And be willing to be honest and say, can we talk? I want to share something with you that's uh, it's a little sensitive, it's a little delicate, but it, it's been on my heart. And I love you, I care for you so much that I'm willing to do this. I've noticed your behavior. I've noticed how you, um, you're toxic. I, I don't know how else to say it. You, you know, you're, you're affecting the people around you. Because of the bitterness or the unforgiveness or whatever. And I found that it was starting to rub off on me. And I I can't live that way. So I want to ask you, would you be willing to let God do a work in you? Would you be willing to make a change? That's the first step. We step into the relationship. I realize that's not always possible. But it doesn't mean that we always step out, that we end a relationship. But however, we must do. Whatever it takes to guard our hearts and our minds, because contamination breeds contamination, do not become contaminated by the inside influences around you. So uh, that's inside influences. Let's talk about outside influences. And as we consider outside influences, I want you to consider um, the toxic influence of the culture. And I realize I hit on this a little bit in week one, but I want to revisit this. The toxic influence of the culture. Uh, Let me ask, is it possible that uh, we've allowed the toxicity of an ever-changing, confused culture to saturate us and redirect our beliefs? And as a result, we have a distorted view of God We have a distorted view of what it means to be a Christian. In other words, uh, we've allowed the culture to saturate us in such a way that we start looking to the culture to define what Christianity does. And the culture itself at large is not doing a good job at that because it's not basing the definition or or, or the understanding on biblical truth. Um, Let me ask, is is it possible? Is it possible that... This culture that is fueled by comparison, that we've allowed it to saturate us in such a way that we've lost sight of our moral consciousness. And again, we become distorted in our views of God. Uh, We have a wrong picture of God. Is it possible that we've lost sight of the truth that says just because everyone else is doing it, it doesn't make it right? Because that's the truth. Just because everyone else is doing it, it does not make it right. Just because people are posting it on Facebook is their opinion. Just because you read it in the news, wherever you might see it, it doesn't make it right unless it lines up with biblical truth. That, that's, that's the only way. There's a great example of this. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to read just four verses to you. Um, And as you're turning there, just let me give you a little context of what's happening. Um, uh, for For the Israelites, they're coming to the end of the period of the judges. Um, they've, been, they've been given oversight by a series of judges. Samuel has been one of the last judges. As he got old, he passed on that role to um, the responsibility to his two sons. And the, the Israelites were not pleased with how he was carrying this out. So in chapter 8, verse 4, it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old. Don't you think that hurt his feelings? You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Listen to this. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. The Israelites got caught up in comparison. Give us a king like all the other nations. They felt that that was going to be a better way. Here's the problem. The other nations had kings, but the other nations didn't worship the one true God, the creator of the universe. The living God. They actually worshiped dead God, Baal, Asherah poles, all of those things to, to no avail. And, and so what was happening, and, and, and the passage speaks to it, uh, God said, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me, the one true king. Um, here Here's a takeaway for us. Oftentimes, without even recognizing it, we become infected by the culture. We get caught up in comparison. Um, we uh, allow our perspectives to be distorted by the culture and the culture begins to redirect our belief system. And when we do that, by default, we begin to reject God. And by default, we begin to reject what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ who lives out biblical truth on a daily basis. We can't allow that to happen. Listen. Just because everyone else is doing it, it doesn't make it right. There's a passage of scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I love how it's read in the, in the message version. It says this. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Contamination... Breeds contamination. The contamination of the culture will breed contamination in us unless we put up our guard. So, finally, let's look at uh, fireside influences. And in considering fireside influences, I want us to consider infectious, toxic conversations. Toxic conversations. You and I must always be on guard against conversations that have the ability to infect our perspectives. We have to be on guard against conversations, engaging in conversations that have the ability to infect our perspective. If you think about it, this is exactly what happened to Eve in the garden. Eve entered into a conversation with a serpent that was infected. It was infected with doubt and it was infected with deception. I want to read this to you. Uh, If you'd like, you could turn there. It's in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, Let's recall what happened in chapter 2. God has created Adam and Eve. He's placed them in the garden. He's placed them in paradise. He said, all of this is yours. It's all yours. And you can eat from every tree here. There's only one tree that I'm asking you to stay away from, not to eat from. It's in the middle of the garden. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from this tree, you will die. That's the truth. Um, And then in chapter 3, Eve enters into this conversation with the serpent, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, and he begins to sow in doubt, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from uh, the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Listen to this, verse 4. Here's the deception. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Did you see the deception? Did you see the doubt that was infected into this conversation? Oftentimes, you and I can... Engage in conversations with people and they're infected with bitterness. They're infected with anger. They're infected with all kinds of toxic forces and influences. And there's, there's the possibility that in those conversations we begin to um, take on some of the perceptions of the person who is, who is uh, the catalyst in the conversation. We have to guard against these conversations. Eve didn't guard, she ate, and now we're all living out the consequences of it, right? So finally, here's the takeaway for us. We have to be cautious when engaging in conversations that are rooted in anger, in bitterness, unforgiveness, deception, whatever it might be. We have to be cautious. I'm not saying we should never enter into those conversations. There are times when people would come and they're needing help. And so we're listening, but we're cautiously engaging. And we watch how we, we, we listen more than we talk. But when we find out that in those conversations that whatever's going on in that person is starting to affect our perspectives, then we have to pull back. Because that's a toxic conversation and contamination breeds contamination. It can happen about your work, employees, toxic employees, talking to another employer. It can happen in the family. It can happen just anywhere. They can happen around the water cooler. They can happen at the after a board meeting. They can happen at the dinner table. They can happen in the hallway. But we have to be careful that we just don't get lured in To those toxic conversations. And I want to add to this. Those toxic conversations don't only come from a one-on-one conversation with someone. But I believe we engage in those conversations through the books that we read, through the movies that we watch, and through the television shows that we watch. Those are just some examples. We have to be on guard because contamination breeds contamination. Um, Craig Rochelle says this very well. I think the quote's there in your notes. Everything we allow into our minds, our hearts, and lives, everything that we spend our time on has impact on how we grow or how we don't grow spiritually. The goal of our life is to continually be in the process of spiritual formation. You and I should be committed to daily becoming like Jesus Christ. The toxic influences are strategically aimed against us to keep us from moving deeper into our relationship with Jesus. They're, 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 they're aimed purposely to keep us from being spiritually formed. This is why we have to be on guard. And the only way that we can really do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to invite the Holy Spirit into every influence around us, into every conversation, into our inner circle, uh, into uh, whatever it might be. We have to say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to be the third person in this situation. And I commit that I will listen to you and that I will obey. And here's what will happen. If you invite the Holy Spirit into those conversations, the Holy Spirit will speak if you will listen. And you'll receive direction. And you'll know. Instead of walking away and saying, mm, I wish I hadn't mm, I, sh- I said too much. I, oh, I feel terrible. That the Holy Spirit would say, Danger, 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 danger. Move immediately. And you can do that very kindly. I got to go to the bathroom. Or I'm thirsty. Or whatever it takes. You just remove yourself from the conversation. If it's one of those situations that you need to step into, you say, Holy Spirit... I need your help because I can't do this on my own because I'll mess it up. But listen, our goal is to be spiritually formed, to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's not easy. It takes sacrifice and it takes the willingness to say no. It it, it takes the willingness to have very tough conversations. But the Holy Spirit, the counselor, comes alongside of us and does what we cannot do for ourselves. Do you believe that? I want to give you some homework. I gave you homework in the first week. And so as we're finishing, I want to just give you some more homework today. And the homework is uh, simply a continuation of what I asked in the first week. I want you to continue uh, giving yourself a, a toxicity assessment. But this week specifically, what I want you to ask is, Holy Spirit, will you show me the influences that are around me, that are impacting me, that are influencing me in a way that does not add value to my character? Or that does not add value to my behavior. And then when the Holy Spirit reveals those to you, say, Holy Spirit, will you help me make the changes? But to that, I want you to add this question. Am I being a toxic influence? Are there any areas in my life where I'm spewing out contamination and poison onto another person? The Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. And if He does, when He does, you say, I am so sorry, would you help me make the change? And He can do that. So that's your homework. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit. And so we just commit this all to You today. And I pray that as we ask the question, how am I being influenced? that there would be a revelation by the Holy Spirit that would reveal to us and then empower us to make necessary changes. And I pray that we could be honest in asking how we might be influencing other people. And if we find that there are places where we've been toxic, we ask that you would forgive us and then empower us to make the necessary changes. Father God, I pray for this people today on this Mother's Day. I pray as the moms go out, they would just be blessed in every way. And I pray for every person. I just pray pray blessings of divine health and prosperity in every way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.